Hello and welcome to Real Living. This is Lavinia Spirita with Marilyn Emacek, and we're kind of unpacking for you the pilgrimage to France that we're going to be taking um, as Catholic Way Bible Study and also friends and anybody who wants to join us on October 17th of this year, 2024, through October 28th. Uh, you can find the brochure and the registration form on our website, cwbs.org, which is the initials of Catholic Way Bible Study, so cwbs.org. And uh, there is a brochure with all the, you know, the information and also, of course, the registration fee. Unfortunately, the registration is going to be a little accelerated and it's until March. It's The deadline is March 1st. So please, if you're interested, send your registration in and we'll go from there. Okay. So what we said last time is that you we arrive in Toulouse. Everybody makes their own way to Toulouse because that is the tomb of um, St. Thomas Aquinas. And I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to sending maybe materials ahead about St. Thomas and perhaps a little con a summary of the Summa and all that stuff. And then we're going to take the fast train and go to Lourdes. And we were in the middle of trying to explain the experience of Lourdes. Why do we go to Lourdes? Because St. Bernadette lived there and the Blessed Mother appeared to her, right? Right. Um, and I'm going to, I'm hoping to dig out some of the miracles that, um, have occurred at Lourdes. Some amazing miracles that happened at the end of the 1800s and the beginning of the 1900s. And we're going to bring that out in the trip. But remember that France and most of Europe was very secular at the end of the 1800s to the beginning of the 1900s. There was a big movement of sort of positivism and um, the whole philosophical, let's uh, get ready, get rid of the shackles of religion and be secular reasonable people, kind of like we have today in our society, you know, whereby if you believe in anything beyond what you can taste, see, and hear, you're, you are a child, you know, or you are an idiot or, you know, whatever. But the idea is that even in uh, secular France, at the beginning of the 1900s, there were some amazing miracles that happened at Lourdes, physical healing miracles. Well, typically so, the enlightenment was... was controlling the thought process mm -hmm. as well as well, it's carried over into our time too pretty amazing i remember as a teenager i would volunteer and go up on the trains um the sick the trains of the sick so we'd get um train loads full of people who were significantly sick if not terminally ill and it takes 23 hours to go on the train from rome to lourdes Wow. Go up the coast, and then you turn left, and you go up to Toulouse, and you go up to the Pyrenees. So it's quite a trip. And even on the on the train itself, we would have shifts. So if you were on the day shift or the night shift or the afternoon shift or whatever shift, you took your shift on the train. And as a child, well, not a child, but as a 16 or 17-year-old, they would put the first timers in the kitchen peeling potatoes and peeling. I, I, will, I will never forget me and my two girlfriends in the... the restaurant car peeling apples and peeling potatoes interminably into like because the train is like thousands of people you know so you're preparing a meal for a lot of people right and i huh. remember that and then as a as an inexpert sort of like a, a younger person they don't immediately throw you in the deep end as a volunteer our first shift uh in at our, on our first trip was in the um in the refectory in the eating the dining hall so 
as young girls, we would basically our shifts would be in the dining hall. So we would help people with the food and present the food and prepare it and clean up, you know, and do all that stuff. And then after that, you had a choice between volunteering in the hospital. So in the, you know, in the wards with the people in the beds, you know, or in the piscine, they're called the piscine, the pools where you would bathe, you know, according to the command that Mary gave to St. Bernadette in the miraculous spring of water that Bernadette unearthed by uh, the direction of the Blessed Mother. And I've bathed in there many times, and it's like we were saying last time, it's rather a shock because it's really, really cold water. Uh, but it is, in a certain sense, a, hum a humble obedience to the command of the Blessed Mother. And, and can't we, couldn't we use more of that? Well, isn't, can't you, isn't there a place where you can drink the water from the spring? Yes. Oh, from all of them. You know, there's those, I have, actually, I just found my little, you know, you come back with little bottles of Lord's water. I, I have them everywhere and I give them to my children and I take them to various places. And uh, so I'm actually going to be looking forward to refilling my, um, my stash of Lord's water uh, to, to take and you know, bless people in situations with. Uh, another um, great, great, well, actually there's several really, really fun things to do in Lourdes. Obviously, there's the whole atmosphere, this beautiful little mountain town. Um, but the Eucharistic procession is every day around 4 or 4.30. And that is probably where most of the miracles occur during the Eucharistic procession. So during the Eucharistic procession, you have the people who can walk, like I would walk, um, and they give you little sheets of things to sing, and you just walk around the Esplanade, which is the the piazza, or the, what do you call it, the square, or the circle, or the round, or whatever, in front of the basilica. And that's the and it has the, you, the Blessed Sacrament being exposed, right? So it's a Eucharistic right. procession. And it's during this procession, as people are being blessed by the Blessed Sacrament, like people in stretchers, for instance, and in wheelchairs, that if you're going to get healed, usually that's what happens. Do you they walk the sacrament through the crowds? Is that what yes. they do? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's all very well organized. All the like the people in stretchers and in uh, wheelchairs are in the front, and the people who can stand are in the back. But, I mean, you can see it, and it's pretty, you know, it's pretty amazing. Of course, you know, there have been uh, miracle stories from lords of people who went back to their, own to their hometown and are healed on the train going home or uh, get home and all of a sudden overnight they're healed. I mean, you know, there's various ways, but for the most part, a lot of those of those miracles occur during the Eucharistic procession, which is so interesting. And I, I so remember the things that we sung and it was just really so touching, even for like a little ignorant 16-year-old or 17-year-old, you know, all involved in all the wrong things. To go to Lourdes, uh, especially as a young person, is truly um, I used to say it gives you a, uh, in Italian, they say, they call it una ridimensionata. That it kind of changes your perspective from right. it's all about me to no, it's not all about me. And there's a lot of more people that are a lot worse off than me. You know, it's actually quite salutary. I think everybody should go occasionally, at least once or twice in their life. And then maybe often, you know, if possible. When you talk about miracles and people being healed, you know, one of the main messages of to Bernadette was to pray for the conversion of sinners. Mm -hmm. So heaven only knows how many people have been converted through the prayers said there and people that visited there. You know, we we don't know the extent of that. And um, 
And I think that uh, when Bernadette saw Mary, she described her, you know, with a white veil and a blue outfit or girdle or whatever they called it, with a golden rose on each foot and held a rosary of pearls. And so, you know, the rosary is the important thing to Mary at, at this particular site. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Around saying the rosary in the evening, too? Uh, yes, I think so. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to mention was Mass in the Basilica. That is also very, it's like one of the things you do, right? You go to the baths, you go to the Eucharistic procession, and you go to Mass in the Basilica, which is a beautiful, you know, huge, it's modern. I mean, modern by Italian standards, it's modern because this was built in the 1800s, 1900s, right? And right. it's got those uh, mosaics on the front, which are done by the same artist who did the mosaics at Padre Pio. Remember Padre Pio? Oh, the, yeah. The gold uh-huh. mosaics, which so that kind of art, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it was kind of weird, you know? I mean, okay, I, I liked it, but it's not the classical, you know, it's very modern, Okay. But so the front is fine. But when I was going in the 70s, the front was not finished. Like the mosaics in the front were not finished. And it was a shock for me when I went back last two, three, when was it? Four or five years ago. And the, the front was finished. All the images were finished. It's very interesting. So you do that. And then, of course, you go and you say the rosary. And there's a, the inside, I think, below the basilica in the crypt, which is not really a crypt. It's just an underground space big big space they have giant posters of all the most recent saints so not only the big saints right so you got you know Teresa of Lisieux and Santa Teresa and El Padre Pio but you have the modern saints you have Chiara Luce Badano like that girl who just died you have uh, uh what's the guy in Assisi the kid who had the uh, Eucharistic oh, uh, website uh Carlo Acutis you have a picture of him so your photographs and then you have another picture of Gianna Molla, and you have Pier Giorgio Frassati. So all these guys who lived in the 19th century and even the 2000s, they have these pictures of modern saints as well, like giant, giant posters of all these saints that are kind of uh, covering, papering the whole basilica, which is kind of cool, where you go and you say the rosary and you do the prayers and all that stuff as a group. So it's actually fascinating. I mean, the whole thing is, I must say, when I was comparing uh, uh, Fatima with Lourdes, I thought Lourdes was so much more interesting and so much more atmospheric. Fatima is great, obviously. It's a site of great messages, et cetera, 1917. But um, it's kind of a big church in the middle of nowhere in a field. That's it. you know. And then you go to the olive groves where the angel appeared to the children and, and Our Lady. But I don't know. I just think that Lords has more of a, you'll see. And then, of course, there's the candlelight procession at night uh-huh. where you also recite the the, um, the rosary. I remember last time <laughs> I went by myself <laughs> to the procession and I was, and I, they gave you a candle, a lit candle with a little paper guard underneath, you know, like this. And I was so distracted trying to, to, to videotape the crowd that I set my paper guard on fire. <laughs> And I had people behind me saying, uh, hello, excuse me, your candles on, you know, everything's on fire. But it's because I got distracted. So this time maybe I'll go with somebody who can actually, we can multitask. But uh, so anyway, there's lots of opportunities. It's really and truly just something to experience, you know, with the perceptions and all that. Well, of days, I know. So yeah. we'll have mass in the Basilica. Will we have mass at other locations yes. there? 
Yes, we will. I have no idea where, but I know we'll have mass every day. Uh, I think last time we had mass in the, maybe in the crypt, we may have had mass in one of the side chapels of the basilica. And then what was fun was um, you would have groups of youth who came in and did dances. So I've recorded a dance with like a bunch of priests and nuns and friars going crazy with this dance uh, on the, on the, the entrance to the basilica. So like the, the front steps of the basilica. So it's kind of cool because you do have this appeal to young people that's built into Lourdes. Um, so anyway, I'm, to say that I'm looking forward to it is really understating it because Lourdes is really, in a certain sense for me, was one of the beginning pieces of my conversion to the Lord, you know, is, was volunteering at Lourdes and having that experience and then going, being invited to a prayer meeting, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it was all one part and parcel of this opening to to the Lord and the Holy Spirit, especially in Lourdes. It's just a place that opens you up. And there's many uh, examples of like so-and-so who was an atheist doctor who accompanied a train and then saw a miracle or then saw somebody's conversion or then saw, you know, it's it's really, um, it's holding up the divine and the, and the profane all in one place. Because when you get there, it's quite, I remember at the beginning, I was kind of turned off because everything was so commercialized. There was the Hotel Madonna. There was the, these are a set of sponges and there's Our Lady's picture on these sponges that you're going to buy. And then there's, you know, it's all very, very commercial. They're making hay while the sun shines, basically, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's very commercialized. But then all the major shrines have that element, you know, of commercialization. Well, think about Rome. Every time you turn around, there's a place to buy rosaries and different things. So metal. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't matter because the atmosphere is so amazing, you know? Right. Then right. we're going to take the the TGV, the TGV, as they say, the high-speed train. So we're going to be on this train for a couple times. And we did that last time also. You know, we went to Lourdes. We took the high-speed train. And we're taking the high-speed train to Paris where we are going to meet our bus and boarded to go to Normandy. Now, Normandy is in the northwest portion of France. It's right by Brittany, which is the most westernmost part of northern France. Normandy uh, comes, is named because of the Norsemen, the northern men who came across the channel with uh, the the English, you know, at, at the time. You know, obviously they were more Norsemen of Scandinavian descent, Danish descent, etc., who crossed the channel. And so, you know, of course, primarily who, 1066, the Norman invasion, all that. But uh, the origin of the Normans is always interesting because it's basically Scandinavian Viking. You know, it's originally it's Viking raiders who then become civilized and then become Christian. And then all of a sudden they start mixing in with the Angles and the Danes and all that stuff. And then it it becomes the nor the nor the, the the Normans, right? Sounds very civilized. Right. In the end, that's what they are. So um, that was interesting. And um, Normandy is a very interesting area because it, apart, apart from the fact that the food is amazing, we're going to stay in a place called Caen, Caen, which in, in English is kind of uh, weird because it's C A E N, but it's pronounced Caen. And from Caen, we're going to go to um, the Normandy beaches. And the Normandy beaches are, I think, are really a place that mo- everybody, every Westerner at least, should visit, right? We're going to see um, the beaches of Normandy where D-Day was staged from, right? No, it wasn't right. staged from, or where the, where the people landed 
from England, from crossing the channel on June 6, 1944. Right? Yeah. And we're going to go specifically to Omaha Beach, which was the landing area. Mm -hmm. I think the first brigade or first something landed. And it was a place where there was the most vicious Mm -hmm. and lots of life and so forth on the beach. And um, even at the end of the day, they weren't sure whether they had really taken the beach. I mean, it was just, it became so disorganized and everything. And I believe that that Omaha beach spans like six miles. It's not like it a does. little sand. It does. Just and then there's Utah beach and then there's some other beach and there's some <laughs> other beach, you know? <laughs> so it's all, it's all about that. But um, we're also going to see that Port du Oc, which is where the cliffs overlooking Utah and Omaha beaches, where you, the Ranger assault group came. So the idea was that the, the Nazis were staged on the cliffs. And so there's some wonderful uh, tales of heroism of the Rangers scaling the cliffs and dying, but, you know, being able to take the points, et cetera. You can still see the bunkers. You can still see the, the German bunkers where they, uh, you know, shelled the people who were landing. It's interesting. And we saw the American cemetery in the German cemetery. And I must say, of all the cemeteries, the German cemetery was just so pitiful because you saw the ages of the people who were in these plots and they were 15, 16, 17, young kids, Mm. uh, normal age people, but also sort of younger kids who were drafted into the German army is cannon fodder, really. Um, And that anyway, so... It, the whole thing is actually quite, um, it's heartbreaking in a certain sense to, because all these plot, all these tombs, the American cemetery, the French cemetery, the German cemetery, all these people who died, who lost their lives. But it was, of course, the turning point, the decisive victory, really, of the Second World War. Um, it was D-Day, but of course, V-Day or Victory Day didn't occur until the next year. But it was just basically an operation of of mopping up. Let me see if we have enough time. Yeah, I'm going to introduce the topic of Mont Saint-Michel. Mont Saint-Michel is also where we're going to visit. It's a very, very fascinating. Um, it's on a it's on a little island. Well, actually, it's it's a promontory which is connected to land only during light low tide. Right. So. It, it was a monastery, a fortress monastery was built by the Benedictines on this island. But observing the tides, I always think about how the heck do they build this thing? Being able to go over only every 12 hours when the tide was right. Exactly. And when the tide was not right, you you were blocked there. But it's kind of like there's a, 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 a part of it that's built inside other parts, which was the original part. So it was added on over the years. Mm-hmm. But you know, quite recently, because they had access to Mount St. Michel for people to come and visit, the tributaries and everything, the way the water should go in and out, created a lot of silk and they had to redo it. And they did this, gosh, in the last, I don't know, 10 years or something. I mean, it's been fairly recent. So the water flows in and out as it should now. So you really get that sense of the tides coming in and out. And where it's located also is where all these storms hit because you're mm-hmm. right on the sea there. Mm-hmm. So it's just miraculous that this thing has survived. Well, it I, was built in 966 by the Benedictines. Imagine what it must have taken. I just, you know, now there's a bridge. 
you know, I remember going there 10 years ago with my husband thinking, oh, we're going to see the, you know, we might get caught in the time. No, you don't get caught in the time because they built a bridge. There's restaurants. There's, you know, the usual tourist thing. But um, I think it'll be interesting because when you land, you walk through the town of Saint Michel and then the Mont Saint Michel. So the abbey is right on the very top. So it's quite, I remember walking up there being absolutely soaking wet. I was so sweaty because it was, of course, we always speed walk everywhere we go. But even if we take it easy, it is quite the climb all the way up to see the beauty of the abbey. But once you get there, I have pictures I took where you can see um, the sea and you can see the tides and you can see the land. I mean, it's very, it's very interesting. Um, our next show, we're going to explain a little bit about why Mont Saint-Michel was built where it was and on the whole idea of, of St. Michael the Archangel appearing in a straight line across Europe in seven different venues, of which we have been to some. But we're going to save that for the next show. Thank you for joining us. 